Hey, Nina, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. Thank you. Well, it's, it's been a long time coming. We've uh, targeted you for this interview for uh, for a while, and uh, you know because our because our list is so long and our wait list has been so uh, delayed, it's taken a while to get you on here. But finally, the stars have aligned, and we have you with us. So thank you for taking time out to um, share your journey with the folks here who listen to the Tick Bootcamp podcast. And I have good news for our listeners, although they can't see us. They can hear that Matt Sabatello is not with me today, thankfully. I have uh, I have the pleasure of working with one of our favorite folks. So, Emma, why don't you introduce yourself and please share with folks um, what episode they can listen to you on, if you remember, when we did our first interview with you. Hi, guys. My name is Emma Pakoulis. I did an episode, I want to say back in April 2021, um, just about my own journey. Yes, I am an OG. I'm proud of it. Um, yeah, just kind of going over my Lyme journey and what it put me through and what I did to heal and get to where I am today. I'm just happy yeah, to be that, back and learning yeah, more. And then more than, more than 50,000 people have listened to your journey. So, uh, you know, it's really cool that, um, so many people are blessed with hearing your story and learning all the things that you've done, uh, to, um, to recover or go through a recovery journey. And, um, and then of course, get to a point where you're healthy enough to co-host on this podcast pretty regularly. So it's really cool that you're doing that. So thank you very much. And, uh, Nina, you're going to have that same impact, right? And that's why it's really kind of you folks who are on this journey, um, for nothing, right? We're not getting, you're not getting paid. Nobody's asking you to do anything other than just be kind to share your journey. And um, Nina, it's really kind of you to, to, to do that and serve as a model for other folks who are on the earlier stage of their journey. So Nina, while we do this, Emma's going to take you through your story, but why don't, why don't you begin by um, sharing with us um, where you currently live uh, and give us a little background about where you're from, because you do have New York roots, and so we never like to ignore the New York roots with our our guests. So give us that that background, so Emma can take you forward <laughs> in your journey. Yeah. So I I was so my fam my mom's side of the family is from Queens. Um, well, they migrated from Ecuador to Queens, and I was only born there, but I grew up in Florida, so I'm like Florida raised, you know. Um, but yeah. As soon as I left high school, I just like went all over the country and I was like pretty nomadic. Um, yeah. And that's how I got Lyme disease. <laughs> and then I came back to Florida, which is where I am now. And it feels really good to be back. Like Florida is a really cool place and it feels like home. Wow. So um, how old were you when you moved to Florida? Oh, I was just a baby. Oh. I was literally just birthed in New York. We yeah. were like up there for the holiday. And my mom was like super, super duper pregnant. And I just kind of popped out while I was there. And then we just like hung out for a while. Okay. And then we came back to Florida. Um and Central Florida, where I okay. grew up. Awesome. Did you did you enjoy your childhood in Florida? I did. It was super like country. Well, right now with all the development, it's not that country anymore. But growing up, it was a little country. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, some of my like closest friends um, that I met when I was young are still my friends. And Florida, oh, Florida, awesome. cool. okay, yeah. great. The things so, that make the headlines in Florida are really questionable, and they make really? a lot of people question Florida. Yeah, but uh, Florida is like a big bag of mixed nuts. You know what I mean? You get all sorts of people, but like, there's a really <laughs> good people in Florida, and yeah. I stand by Florida. <laughs> I mean, I hear you. I love Florida. I go as much as I can. 
have you have you always been in Gainesville? Is that where you are now? Um, that's where I'm now, and I haven't always been here. I um I used to come a lot when I was uh you know in my early 20s and fell in love with it. And then when I moved away, when I moved back just six years ago, I moved to to Gainesville because I you know, it's, it's really nice. It's got lots of like natural springs and rivers where, and it's like easy to drive around. It's not like crazy, like central Florida. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Okay. So growing up, were you outdoors a lot? You must've been. Yeah. My mom did everything she could, you know, she was a single mom and she was like always working. She was always hustling and she always made sure that I like did stuff. She's like, you're going to go to horse camp. You're going to go to Girl Scouts. Like, you're going to do this. You're going to do that. Like, it was very much a part of my childhood, which I'm so grateful for. Like, she really, she really made that happen for me. And so I, I really do owe it to her. Like, I love being outdoors. Like, I've spent a lot of time outside. I love hiking. I used to build hiking trails. I worked on conservation teams. Like, I really, really love being outside. And yeah, a lot of people in my like demographic or like, you know, don't have that, or maybe it's a little intimidating to be outside for such a long period of time or like not knowing how to be outside and not having those outdoor skills. But like, I felt like I was really inclined to learn it because of the exposure I had to it as a child. As a child growing up in Florida, have you heard about ticks? No, no, I never, never knew about ticks not until I was up in Massachusetts, but no, it was just like leeches, mosquitoes, snakes. That's it. Okay. Wow. And you, you're outside growing up. You were, were you like near the beach or you were in more like marsh wetlands? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was in the swamp. Yeah. Yeah. I was like in the swampy woods behind neighborhoods. (laughs) Wow. Pretty buggy, you know, lots of spiders and mosquitoes, but I don't remember ever seeing a tick. Although now people say that there are ticks in Florida um, with different diseases, but that's a whole other thing. All right. So when you, um, I have here, you were 24 before you started experiencing any symptoms. Mm -hmm. So what was life like right before you started experiencing symptoms? Like just an, a, a gist, an idea, what were you working? 22 23 um also I was in my 20s so you know life is to be experienced (laughs) (laughs) but um what was life yeah life was like unpredictable life was like ah sure I'll come by later no problem or like let's hang out (laughs) like I was very much like I was never an extroverted person but I was definitely like more excited to do stuff. Yeah. Um, and I I had more energy for sure. Like definitely had more energy and um less pain. I mean like yeah that was sort of like like my like my vibrance never went away. Like I'm still like that's very much embedded in my DNA. Like I feel like I'm a very vibrant and loving and like fiery person. So that hasn't died down, but like the amount I'm able to give, you know, myself or my relationships or the world have like significantly, yeah, decreased. Makes sense. Were you, um, 
were you working in your early 20s? Were you in school? I know you said you were nomadic. I'm very interested. Yeah. In travels. <laughs> I was always working. Um, didn't go to school or anything like that. I was just like working odd jobs. I was like landing random jobs, uh, seasonal work and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then at 24, what was, what was your first symptom? What made you know? What started showing up in your life that was out of the blue on your body? Yeah, well, I found the tick. So I knew that it was Lyme disease. Um, And it had completely, like, it was sort of like on my back near my armpit. And I was like coming out of the shower and I, and I kind of noticed it in the mirror, but I touched it and it just fell. So it was like completely engorged at this point. And I knew like I knew where I got it from because a few days before that I was like deep in the woods and um, was with a friend and they had found a tick, but they like caught it as soon as it got on. So I was like, Oh, it was from that day. So in my head, I was like, okay, this was from like two, three days ago. Um, And, but yeah, so I found it, but that whole, like right before I found it, I remember I was like nauseous and I was like, oh, I must've ate something weird. I don't know. And then I found the tick and then, um, was like, oh shit, what do I do? But at the time (laughs) I wasn't super aware of ticks. Like at the time I had only known one person with Lyme disease and she was also like older and I was young and she had, she had it for a really long time. And she also had other, you know, health issues. So I wasn't really informed about anything. So when I found it, I didn't freak out. I was like, uh Oh, and then my, my housemate was like, you should really take doxycycline, but I couldn't get a prescription. I didn't have health insurance. Of course, he's like a hoarder. So he had it, but it was like, (laughs) but it was like expired or something. And he was like, here, take this. And I was like, okay. Um, So I took the dose that was recommended, but I think I'd went beyond the 72 hour window. Um, but I felt like crap. Like I was nauseous and I was like fevery and had chills all over my body for like a week. Okay. Wow. So it was pretty immediate after the tick bite that symptoms began. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then how long did you do doxy for 72 hours? Yeah. Okay. And how do you remember how the doxy made you feel? Um, it made me feel worse. Um, yeah, I had never been on an antibiotic. It's an antibiotic, right? Yeah, yeah it is. Yep. I had never been on an antibiotic before, pretty sure. Um, growing up, my mom was like, oh, you're sick. Here's chamomile tea, honey, like <laughs> whiskey, and some lemon juice. Like, you know, like that was like, we were very like anti like medicine. And so I was always kind of like afraid. Um, of like medicine. I hadn't taken a Tylenol until I was like 24 or something. Yeah. I don't even know. Like probably when I started getting Lyme, I was like, Oh, maybe I should start taking Tylenol. But, um, yeah, I remember the doxycycline like really, really wiped me out. Like I was not okay. Yeah. Do you remember puked? I think I might've puked. Okay. Do you remember how else it made you feel? Um, not really. I was just like nauseous and lethargic and, yeah, nauseous and lethargic. Those were the two main symptoms that I had. Okay. And mm-hmm. then, so you did doxy and then how did it leave you feeling? Did you kind of like get on the upswing for a little bit after that? Or that's when it hits the fan? Um, 
you know, I really wish I had documented more during that time because it would have been so valuable now. But I think there was a period of time. There was a period of time where I was like, so I wasn't. So I took the doxy and in my head, I was like, oh, okay, well, I did the thing that like you're supposed to do. So I must have gotten rid of it. (laughs) You know, like that's how I was thinking about it. I didn't understand that Lyme disease was this crazy, ancient, like (laughs) sneaky son of a gun who wanted to ruin my life, you know? Um, So there was a period of time. Oh yeah. And I remember, so like before that, you know, you know, I liked, I liked to like drink and, you know, um, go to occasional like parties. Like I wasn't like a drinker, but I would go out and socialize and like have a couple beers. And yeah. So after the, I guess the, the Lyme disease, there were certain things I couldn't. So yeah, to answer your question, like after I found the tick and then took the doxy, there were certain things that made me sick, um, like an alcoholic beverage or even just like a sandwich. Like I felt like I was more sensitive to just everything. Um, and my like sense of smell was, I was just like a little bit more sensitive. I felt like I was already sensitive. Um, in general, general, but I think my sensitivity had heightened after all of that. And I remember feeling like, okay, like, the antibiotic, yeah, like antibiotics, you know, historically make you feel like crap for like a few weeks. So like, this is just how I'm supposed to be feeling like my body is just kind of coursing through the antibiotics. So, but this will go away. So I remember it was just like, kind of like a few weeks of me feeling like pretty low energy and then maybe feeling like, okay, like Stella got a groove back, you know, like I'm going to, keep going. Um, yeah, I'm try- I don't, I don't know at what point I started having more of the intense pain. I feel like maybe a year went by where I was like managing mm-hmm. and it wasn't super horrible. Okay. Yeah. Was there a point where you were like, okay, this can't be the doxy side effects or anything? anymore it was like a roller coaster you know and like over time you might know but like over time like my perception of pain started to like swing even to this day I'm like is this a good day or a bad day I think for someone who doesn't have like Lyme or chronic illness um this might be like the worst day of their lives but for me this is like a pretty okay day so I think like my gauge for like what was normal was starting to like be clouded dissolve and I just didn't know what was normal anymore yeah um yeah so I think I was just like sleepier than usual for like a few years before I was like "Uh uh-oh okay so until you were like "Uh uh-oh you were just managing still working odd jobs just living your life having your friends going to your parties and so, <laughs> no, because I get it. Cause you don't, sometimes like for me, I didn't know anything was wrong until I had a beer one day and I was in a brain fog for a week. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's not a hangover. Like, yeah. So were you, were you sensitive to anything else? Were you sensitive to the sun? Were you sensitive to temperature? It was food and alcohol. Yeah. It was just like food, alcohol, like smells. 
it started to like increase over time. Again, I've always been pretty sensitive in general, but like, I think the, the biggest thing that I noticed was like, I was super tired. Like I was just so tired. Um, and I just, yeah, I just wanted to sleep. Like I just wanted to sleep. Like that's all I could do. Um, and then I had a pre-existing injury from years before that, where I had a, I just like, it was like an overuse injury on my shoulder Mm -hmm. and I'd injured it. And then the pain was just like gone for a long time. And then it wasn't until I got Lyme where the pain came back like times a hundred. Like it was like all the things that were wrong with my body before I got Lyme disease, um, started to get my attention after I got Lyme disease, if that makes sense. Totally. Totally. Okay. Okay. So you were on this roller coaster wave of like symptoms, but also like background symptoms for how many years would you say until you were finally like, all right, what's going on or what was there like an onset of more severe (laughs) symptoms that made you seek out more medical help? Yeah. So for like the first two years, I wasn't feeling like completely myself or vital. Mm -hmm. And I had known a lot of like herbalists and stuff, like just where I was living and the people I was living with. And so like occasionally, so there was like two years I was like, oh, I feel like crap. I don't know what to do. And people will be like, well, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I, you know, I didn't have health insurance. And like, it was just like really hard for me at the time. Um, and people were like, do you have Lyme? And I'm like, yeah, I do. They're like, well, you know, you should get a, you should get a diagnosis. And I'm like, I know I have it. Like I found it, you know what I mean? Um, and you know, I had people occasionally throughout those, like maybe, maybe a solid two or three years being like, oh, you're having symptoms here. Try this herb here. Try this. Okay. Well, and, and you know, I had a lot of people like throwing suggestions at me. So I'd be like, okay, like I'll try that. And then I would try it and it wouldn't help. And then be like, oh, okay, well, look here, try this. And I had friends, you know, because I was living up in Massachusetts where a ton of people have Lyme disease. And so we, I had my own like little network of people being like, who were on the same boat as me. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I have Lyme or I do have Lyme. And I've taken the route of like going through all these doctors and stuff and haven't had any success. And so in my head, I, you know, I already have the history of not trusting doctors Two, I don't have health insurance. Three, I'm like hearing from people who have Lyme saying that they just wasted a bunch of time yeah. and money and stress, you know, yeah. of like going to the doctors and I'm like super afraid of needles. Like I'm the person who's like shaking and crying, like when they have to give blood, like that's me. And I have to take the whole day off to do it. So like getting me to the doctor was like, it wasn't going to be an easy thing. And so I had been trying like little things. Um, I had completely stopped eating certain food items. Um, and I was like, Oh, that seems to help for a while. And I'm like, Oh, my symptoms are back. So clearly that's not it. So then I'd start eating bread again Mm -hmm. and then start like just having like a, you know, a mix matchy kind of approach to how am I going to feel better? And then and then just being like, like, okay, I guess this is my new normal. And I'd say it was like that for the first few years. Okay. So you had, you knew you had Lyme and you were just basically like trying to just do it stance on your own. Like, 
I, I totally understand everything you're saying. I've, there's so many Lyme patients. How many doctors have they seen? And it's just been a waste of time and money and energy. Yeah. And so, so how did you finally get a diagnosis? Mm-hmm. So was, yeah, I guess it was four and a half years ago. Um, I had like an office job and they had like killer, like health insurance. And at this point, you know, so that was like what I just told you about, like when I first found the tick, the first few years, like that was like sort of not, that was not the peak of me feeling bad. Um, so it's, I started to get really bad. Like I would say, four or five years. It, again, my exact timelines aren't perfect. Okay. Um, but like about four or five years in, it started to get really bad. Like, and I was like, okay, I really need help. <laughs> um, and so at that point I started taking an herbal protocol. Um, and I'm pretty sure I wanted the whole Herxheimer's reaction and all of that. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go into this, uh, protocol. And, and cause you know, I read, you know, stories and like, it's, pr- it's produced by a group of herbalists in Vermont where like they have a ton of Lyme disease. And I was like, okay, great. This is what I'm going to do. It's going to be like intense and hardcore for a while. And I was just like, really not okay. Like I was not okay before that. And that just took it up to a new level. But like I had days before and after the medication, after the herbal protocol, um, where I was like crawling on the floor to go to the bathroom. Like I was in so much pain. It's okay. It's hard. It's so hard. And at the time I'm like, damn, I'm only like 27. Like, you know, what is my life going to be like in 10, like or even two years from now? Like, I don't even know, you know? And so it was like really stressful. I was like pretty depressed at the time. I'm sorry to cry. No, please. Please. Yeah. You're doing amazing. Yeah. And so I took this herbal protocol and it felt like the line was like dying off. And then I was feeling like pretty bad on the protocol. And then I completed, I didn't totally, I came close to completing the protocol Um, And then I decided to come off of it because I was working like a full-time job at the time. And I was like, this is so, I've already taken so much time off. Like I just can't do this anymore. And then, and then I had some like roller coaster, you know, months of like, okay, I'm like doing all right. Or like, okay, things are getting like better. And then it boom, like I get a flare up and then, so yeah, the flare ups have just been like on and off since the beginning of getting this line. Like, you know, like one week I'll have like an insane amount of like excitement <laughs> for life and all this energy and I'll like sleep well. And then there's like a next, then the next week. And then people have that like level of standard for me, like, oh, Nina, like you should be able to do whatever. And then I'm like, actually like this week is completely different from last week. <laughs> and so after the protocol, I just like, you know, had the consistent like roller coaster of ups and downs of like feeling like, okay, this is is really bad and this is really good and just feeling, okay, it's going to be like this forever. And then I landed um, and then I got health insurance and was like, okay, I should probably just 
Oh, because at that point, like, I think I'd gotten some messages. No one flat out said, like, we don't believe you don't have, you have Lyme, but like, energetically, people were like, I was like picking up on this vibe of like, did you get a blood work done? And I'm like, no, I didn't. They're like, oh, well. And then in my head, I was like, oh, so maybe people don't believe me. Am I just like totally crazy? And I don't actually have Lyme disease. Like, so I should probably just like shut my brain up and like (laughs) get the test done and confirm that I have Lyme disease. Um, and, and that's exactly what I did. And it was so validating to see that, mm-hmm. like, I had a positive test. I was like, oh, because, like, you know, I had all these, like, feelings of, like, shame over the years of, like, you know, canceling plans, like, <laughs> um, not wanting to, like, hang out or, like, being unavailable to my family or just, like, being really lazy or, like, feeling like I'm being really lazy as if it was, like, a bad thing. But so I got the results and I was like, oh my God, I'm so happy that I, you know, I was like so happy that I had an answer yeah. um, and a diagnosis, but it was also kind of like for a moment there, I had a little bit of faith that <laughs> the doctor would be able to help me, but it seemed like actually they don't, I mean, at least not in Florida anyway, because like Lyme isn't super present in Florida. So no one, none of the doctors I talked to were able to really offer any insight or even make any like basic suggestions about anything. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm on my own again. And, um, they wanted to do, um, a bunch of testing on me, but that required more needles and more uncertainty and just like more time and more money. And it's not like they gave me a lot of confidence and they weren't like, well, we're going to do this. And then that'll like lead to the, you know, having an answer for this diagnosis. Like, you know, it didn't really help. They didn't give me a ton of confidence that like taking the next step was like a good idea. Yeah. So yeah. you sought out the herbalist prior to the diagnosis or after the one that did the, the herbs with you? I did the herbs before. Okay. Can I ask why you stopped? They were just too intense. They were so intense. They were so intense. It really intensified. Um, I think, I mean, I could find the protocol if you're really interested in what the ingredients were, but it was like knotweed, cat's claw, like dandelion, a couple other supportive Mm -hmm. herbs for the liver, because it was like, we're going to be like pushing this lime out. We need to support the liver. So it was Mm -hmm. like a whole complete, like complex of herbs to support your body. Um, but I think my body went into Herxheimer's reaction. Yeah, it probably got overloaded. And I just like, I was like, okay, this is good. It's like, I'm going to handle this. I'm going to like deal with this for a while. And then I just couldn't. And then, so yeah, that was the first treatment I did was the herbal protocol. And then the second thing I did was get the lab work and speak to Western doctors. And then um, wasn't able to get help. And now I'm on a whole other path. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So can I ask, and you can say no, what your symptoms were at the time of the herbalist that made you go seek him him or her out then? Um, the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, my symptoms from the herbal protocol was, um, a heightened flare up. Like it was very like 
reminiscent of like a flare-up that I am very familiar with, but it was like a flare-up like times a thousand. And so for me, what that looks like is um, like every tiny little like joint in my body feels like it's on fire and it feels like I'm moving mountains just to pick up like a toothbrush is like how it felt like every movement felt agonizing. And and when I have my line flares, that's still what it feels like, but um, just less intense. Um, And now I know what my triggers are so I can sometimes manage it, but yeah. So the herbal protocol was, was was those symptoms um, intensified. So the deep ache, the fevers, um, the chills, the like aches, it hurts to move. Um, Did you have any neurological symptoms? Can I ask? Um, Did I have, I don't, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure, but I, I did have a ton of mental fog and I still do when I have a flare up. So it's like, someone's talking to me and I just like, I don't understand, or I'm trying to process a thought and I can't fully, I don't understand what's going on. It's how it feels. It feels like what's happening. You know, it's like a very lost feeling, which is pretty anxiety producing. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was, a, it's a lot of mental, it was a lot of mental fog and like agitation. Um, yeah. And pretty depressing. Okay. Did you have any GI issues, stomach? I did not. Okay. Yeah. But it definitely affected you physically and mentally. Woolly moly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And when you got tested for Lyme, did your doctor test you? Do you know if he, she tested you for co-infections? She did not test me for co-infections. Um, and at the time I didn't know about co-infections, but, um, I, sh- I should get tested for co-infections, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Who knows? It's yeah. all a blur. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you, you did the herbalist and then you got your Lyme diagnosis and these Western doctors wanted to do further testing. And where are you now? Yeah. So where I'm at now, so the, yeah, the doctors wanted to do more testing. They weren't giving me a ton of confidence. Um, and so I sort of tried to go through like a phase of acceptance of thinking like, okay, this is like, this is what it is. Like, what do I know? Like, what tools do I have to like, help me like manage my stress? And at the time I hadn't really identified what my triggers were because I was just like having flare up after flare up after flare up. But after that, I really started to like, take a look at what was happening in my life before a flare-up. Um, and I also started seeing um, an orthobionomist. It's like a body worker. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's amazing. Um, it's just like a very gentle uh, style of body work that supports um, 
the body and organs and all this stuff. Um, it supports it in a very unique way. I, I can't really describe it, but, um, feels really good. And it's a great modality of massage. And that really helped me like focus in on like, oh, I'm actually like inviting a lot of stress factors into my life, like not on purpose, but like there's things I can do to like kind of be present in my body. And like, I think it it allowed me to like, look at what feels good. Okay. If that makes sense. Cause I was seeing her on a regular basis and I was like, okay, these sessions feel really good. And I was like, how can I replicate this feeling? Like this feels good. And how do I feel like this more? And I was like, oh, right. Like having my phone around and just like picking up for when everyone, you know, when anyone calls is stressing me out and like my job is stressing me out. And like, you know, all these things are stressing me out. Being on the go, go, go is like stressing me out. Like I can't do it anymore. Um, and so I started to just like pay it. I quit my job <laughs> and I just like, couldn't do it anymore. I was like, I have to go. And so I was starting to pay attention to the things that were happening in my life before the flare-ups and trying to just accept at this point, I'm not like drinking, you know, or I'm paying real close attention to like my food and diet. And I'm like researching nutrition and just really trying to formulate a plan that worked for me and just like experimenting. Um, sorry, my dog. It's okay. Um, and I forgot what I was saying. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Um, you were figuring out, um, what stressed you out before a flare, (laughs) you were doing your food and diet, um, food and diet and really trying to be preventative about stress, stress factors. Cause I had a, there was a big relationship between stress and a flare up. And it was like, I was so sensitive at this point from my line that like, if I had like a stressful phone call for like two minutes, it would like, it it would like ruin my like next three days. Like my nervous system was so, is still so fragile. So like, I really had to like mitigate those things. Right. So it was like, oh my God, so-and-so is calling me. And I know like that is really going to trigger stress in my body. And I had to start like weighing, weighing the pros and cons, like, is it worth it? And I'm like, actually, no, it's not like, and so like really trying to just like cut the fat, you know, and like only say yes to things that actually like, obviously you can't do that with everything in your life because like capitalism is obligations. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, (laughs) but for the most part, there was like a lot of things that I was able to start pushing out of my life and saying no to, um, And once I started doing that, like I was able to kind of slow down and be more present with my body and every day is different and difficult. But for me, that was like the biggest thing, like this, my, my nervous system is so fragile. And so if I can like reduce stress at any, from any angle, then I'm just going to do it. Yeah, totally. What were you focusing on with your, your diet? Are you still focusing on? 
always focusing on food. Um, it's really hard. Food is hard. Um, it's like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I'm like, you know, there was, it was like a roller coaster. Cause I was like battling, like being pretty depressed and anxious about not feeling good. And there were like stretches of time where I would, I would eat like a saint, you know, like I would just be making all this stuff and it'd be like, I'd be eating the rainbow and I wouldn't be eating, you know, caffeine or bread. And I'd be going to bed at a certain time and I'd be getting all this exercise and I would still be feeling like crap. So then I'd be like, you know, really depressed for like the next like month and being like, well, you know what? None of it matters. Like <laughs> I'm just going to like eat cheeseburgers because yeah. <laughs> yeah. none of it matters. Cause, and so I had that, you know, that feeling come up a little bit and then me kind of reeling it back in and being like, actually, you know what? It, does, try again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it does matter. And, and, and I, I feel worse when I eat those things. And so who knows how I would feel if I didn't focus on like mitigating stress and paying attention to what I put in my body. Um, so yeah, I think all those things have really helped me in a lot of ways. Yeah. Are you still doing orthobionomy? Did I say it right? Yeah, you did. Hey, (laughs) are you still doing it? I, I am. And I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Would you say that was instrumental in at least getting you back on your feet? Um, it was a lot of ups and downs because sometimes I felt like the body work some, somehow s- stimulated the Lyme. I don't know. Lyme was so creepy, but so there were some weeks where I was like, oh, this is great. Other weeks where I was like, oh, I feel a little funky, but then I'd feel good the next day. Okay. Um, but yeah, that is something I still do regularly. And I just, I find body work so relaxing. Yeah and massage. So relaxing. So it's like, if I can just feel that relaxed as much as I can, I have to just like chase that feeling, you know, totally. That's something I will never give up. I will like go bankrupt before I give up body work. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Not good, but like (laughs) I can relate. (laughs) So that's okay. So, so where are you now? Yep. So where I'm at now, um, yeah. So obviously the, the, the undercurrent is mitigating stress and paying attention to what I'm putting in my body. Mm-hmm. But I recently started seeing a Chinese medicine doctor yeah. and he is amazing. You know, we haven't worked together for too long, yeah. um, but he's worked with a lot of Lyme patients actually. And I think he's from the Northeast. Okay. And Yeah. So like the feedback is good. And like everything he says makes a lot of sense to me. And I, so I had seen a Chinese medicine doctor, um, years ago for my Lyme and, um, they were kind of chaotic and not that helpful, um, and didn't have experience working with Lyme patients. Um, so then I had to, I had to stop and I was like, okay, I have to find, I can't just go to any Chinese medicine doctor. Like I have to find someone who, I feel like can handle or can offer a lot of insight around Lyme and has experience working with people with Lyme. And so I finally found that person. Well, my partner, my, my boyfriend has Lyme disease too. So he's connected and he, he knows this person who's the Chinese medicine doctor who's worked with Lyme patients. And so I started seeing him and he's really 
offered a lot of guidance about like heat in the body, mm-hmm. um, which I guess in Chinese medicine is like yang. Um, so I'm pretty yanged out, you know, I have like a lot of excess heat and I guess it's typical for like most Americans to have excess heat. And that's the heat in Chinese medicine is like the go, go, go feeling. Gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. And it can be kind of racy and it can create inflammation. And so there's a lot of foods that can balance out excess heat in the body foods to avoid. I feel like I'm being robbed of things I love. (laughs) So I've like cut out I've cut out garlic and onions. Oh my God. The train I'm on right now. Um, and I actually feel like my energy level is just a tiny bit more stable. Like I actually feel more stable and he has me on an herbal protocol too. Um, that's less intense, you know, as the one I was doing a while ago. Okay. But so that's what I'm on right now. And (laughs) Yeah. Trying to get enough beauty rest, mm-hmm. <laughs> pay attention to what I eat and reduce stress. I mean, that's like, yeah, I mean, but I'll, you know, I'll try anything like any like alternative type medicine, uh, for Lyme. Like I'll go ahead and try it. <laughs> <laughs> have you, um, how long have you been doing this herbal protocol? Not for very long. It's just been a few months. Okay. And do you feel generally better? Are you noticing Herxheimer's? Um, no Herxheimer's and I'm generally feeling better, but you know, on, it's funny because it's hard to realize progress as it's happening. Um, and so, you know, my boyfriend and I, we've been together, I think like, I don't know, like four or five years, something like that. Um, and he's been so supportive. I'm so blessed. Like, honestly, if he didn't have Lyme disease, I don't know. I, I just, it's so hard to understand how someone, what someone's going through unless, so I feel so seen by him in that way, but um, he's pointed out to me and I didn't really reflect on it until he, we talked about it, but he was saying like four years ago, I was like, at my worst. Like I, I remember like every day being like, this is the worst day of my life. My pain is out of 10. Like this is, I'm going to die. You know, I just felt like everything's I'm, it's over. It's done. Like, this is it. Like, this is my life. And I just felt so horrible. And those were the days where I was like crawling around and I couldn't pick anything up. Like it was like really bad. And so over time, I guess that started to change and I didn't realize that was changing. Um, yeah. I'm in pain every day, but my pain is significantly less. And I f- forget to like appreciate that, but I but I think I have made progress. I've made a ton of progress um, over the years and I needed someone to point that out to me. Like, Hey, you're actually doing good kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's very good that you support each other at that. It's so important that you feel seen and heard at home and in your relationship. Um, I had a question in my line brain. Let's push it right out of my head. Um, so what you attributed to your progress that you needed someone to remind you because you still feel like in the throes of Lyme, cause that's, it's hard to see it. Um, but at that time it was focusing on your food, mitigating stress levels and this body work orthobionomy that 
got you to where we are today? I'd say so. Yeah. And then honestly, just even had, I know there are false negatives, which is a real bummer. Um, I've known people with Lyme who get tested and it comes out negative, but, um, I got a positive result. So the validation, like the, I can't express like the significance of being validated by that diagnosis, like was really like it alleviated this other part of my like shame, you know? And so that was helpful instead of being like, am I crazy? I should feel better by now, blah, 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 blah. Um, but yeah, and I can't stress enough, like for me, the, the biggest piece of this Lyme journey and like, yeah, of this Lyme journey is really reducing the stress. Yeah. For me, that's like the biggest thing. And and I think stress is like, takes many different forms. Like it could just be like being on social media for too long or being on a phone call with like, I don't know, like a family member for too long or at all, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. No, there's like, just so many like little stress factors, like maybe not going to the grocery store right now because there's traffic, like And I don't want to say like, there's just so many stress factors. And to me, that's been the biggest source of relieving stress is avoiding those things. Yeah. That's awesome. That's not, that's awesome, but that's good. That line was able to like, show you how to take your health into your own hands and have the strength to develop boundaries and say, I'm sorry, baby, can't do that today. You know, like pick and choose our wins. But Mm -hmm. so where would you say you are now compared to when you first got bit? Mm -hmm. I think I'm like in my acceptance phase. (laughs) I'm like, okay, like this is the life that was given to me. It was like, you know, and so, um, it's hard to say where I was mentally when I got bit because I was so young and that was so long ago. And when I'm, you know, when you're really young, it depends on who you are. But when I was really young, I thought I was like impervious, you know, like I was kind of a wild child. Like, you know, like I thought that, oh, like if I'm not feeling fine now, I'll be fine later. Like things are going to be fine. Um, but then that's, I soon realized that that wasn't, that wasn't the case for me. So, um, yeah. So I think it, when I got bit, I was it, it, under the impression that like, okay, this is temporary. And then as I realized it wasn't temporary, which happened over the course of many years, led to a lot of anxiety and depression and like isolation. Yeah. And now I'm more in the phase of like, okay, this is, this is the hand I've been dealt. What can I do to live my life Yeah, and enjoy my life? Yeah. Okay. Do you plan on going further with treatment? Are you going to still stick to this herbal protocol? Do you plan on doing co-infection testing? Co-infection testing. That's a really great reminder to do that. Um, this med- Chinese medicine, traditional Chinese medicine doctor that I'm seeing is really amazing and has offered so much insight so far. So I'm going to just do whatever he tells me mm-hmm. um, and see how that goes. 
<laughs> can you, I got it, babe. Can you share the um, <laughs> herbals that are making you feel a little better? Um, I don't know the Chinese names. I can't even pronounce them. Um, and I'm, even if I did, I don't, I, it's so custom, you know, like the okay. way, the way they do traditional Chinese medicine doctors treat clients is like taking pulse, looking at your tongue, yeah. asking you a million questions about like, you know, style, GI stuff, like sleep patterns, like childhood stuff, like, mm-hmm. um, eating habits, like location, like where you live. Like there's so many different factors. So like yeah. the blend that was made was completely custom customized to, to me personally. Yeah. Um, and okay. so I think that's the real beauty. Like, that's why I really am into this. Cause I'm like, Oh, it was like custom to me, like in my crazy life. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. So would you, would you consider antibiotics in the future? Um, I would need to meet someone who had Lyme for a long time. I would need to meet it. I would need to like hear testimonials from people. I would need to do a lot of research. Right. And I would need to hear directly from people what their Lyme story is and, um, what it did for them Yeah, for me to just trust it. Um, because the gut microbiome is so fragile and, the adverse effects of taking, um, antibiotics, traditional, like drug, you know, per, you know, prescription drugs or like pharmaceuticals. I'm afraid of them. Totally. Um, and so I would be really cautious, but I, so at this point in my life, I'm not considering it because I'm on this whole thing. Yeah. And so we'll see, we'll see how desperate I get, but I, but I actually feel like the thing I'm doing right now is actually kind of cool because it's really addressing like the inflammation deep in my body. So I don't know, I'll get no, back to awesome. you in like three years and let you know if I consider antibiotics. <laughs> well, hopefully you don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Um, so looking back, is there anything that Lyme taught you that you're grateful for? Mm. Lime showed you about yourself, your strengths, your weaknesses, what you'll tolerate, what you can and can't do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing, like having Lyme for as long as I've had it. And it's been a really intense battle for me and for so many people, obviously. Um, but I'm like still able to like. create a life that is like vibrant. Um, and yeah, I'm always proving myself wrong. Cause like, you know, I have those moments where I'm feeling like really like, uh Oh, like <laughs> I'm really depressed about this. And then, and then bam, I get like this wave of creative energy being like, can you, you can just enjoy this. And then I really enjoy that, that like creative burst, you know, and then, yeah. So it's like, it's interesting that I can still tap into that through the pain. And I feel like I've also connected with people on a really deep 
way. And I have a lot of compassion for people. I've always had compassion for people, but I have like a newfound, like, oh, okay. Like people are really struggling out there, whether it's Lyme disease or something else. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And it's really helped me with like, so I I practice like minimalism now. (laughs) And that was really, I would really like, I owe it to, you know, a few different things, but I'd say having Lyme is a big, is a big reason why, because I get so fatigued with like decision-making and like running around. I'm like, I need my home to be like super accessible and I need it to be easy to navigate. And like, I can't afford physically, I can't afford to like run around, not being able to find something like that's just not in my capacity. And so I really minimize my stuff. And because of that, I've curated a really fun, calming kind of home. It's vibrant, it's colorful, but it's like very like soothing. And I think I really took my domestic lifestyle to a whole other level because I spent so much time at home. I spent so much time in my bed for so long. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's beautiful in itself. Just being able to make your home beautiful and more tailored and customized to you and your life. That's, that's a really refreshing perspective. Um, I haven't heard of that with Lyme, but I could totally absolutely picture like the ease that comes with that. So that's I mean, amazing. I have, I have a couple of things I wanted to discuss with you. you, you the two of you are having such a beautiful conversation that I hate to interrupt, but I, you know, you, you, you've, you've shared some things that I think are really powerful here that I, I'd like to highlight. Uh, and one of the things that, that I, I'd like to highlight is um, the important role that your, your partner has played in your journey. Uh, and I'd like to uh, uh, also add to that, that one of the things you said early on in this conversation was that you would wish that you had taken some notes or you had journaled some of the some of the early symptoms. And maybe, and the question I have to ask for you, knowing how the human brain works and knowing, um, knowing that our brain is designed to look at the gap rather than the gain, do you think that had you been journaling all along uh, about how you were um, improving and, um, and, and have a way of looking back at all of the things that you gained, that that would help you to feel better about this journey and not necessarily seeing this big, long gap that at times would be triggering for you and to make you feel maybe worse than you should because you aren't realizing how much of a gain you've made? I think that's a that's a great question. And I, and I think, yes, because I think I'm not like a journaler, but you know, I want to invite that in my life. And I think it's really a chance like to journal, sit down and journal is a really great chance to like process some feelings that haven't been opened yet, potentially, you know? Um, and I think processing emotions is just so beneficial (laughs) for so many reasons, instead of just being like, Oh, I'll think about it later. Or like, I'm, you know, I'm kind of like a busy bee kind of person. So I'm a little bit like racy, you know? And so I think had I taken time to kind of slow down, I think journaling is a chance to slow down. Um, and, and and slow down your brain from overthinking and having it, your brain look at 
again, that big gap between where you would really like to be and where you are. And it causes us not to see all the gains that we've made and yeah. celebrate uh, all the, the improvements we, we we have made, right? And and that, I think that's one of the beautiful parts of your story that you you have a a, uh, a very influential, um, intimate partner um, who who it feels comfortable enough to say to you, Nina, you've made a lot of gains. Let's talk about all these gains you've made, you know, because uh, it is important for us to celebrate that. It's important for us to see that, you know, you're much better off than you had been before. And let's use that as a vehicle for feeling good about ourselves and good about where we're going so that we have the energy to continue to improve on this journey. Yeah, that's such a great point. Yep. I'm so grateful for my partner. Like, not only will he be like, hey, let's look at all the gains, but he'll be like, what you're doing right now is going to stress you out. Can you stop? And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait, but I need to. And he's like, but we know we have a pattern. And I'm like, oh yeah, we do. And like, it's easier to observe from the outside. Journaling can offer that or having a friend or a person to like observe you and witness you is like a really great chance to be like, hey, let's look at the pattern. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's talk about another thing because I, I think it's another part of the beauty of your story is one of the things you've talked about is the grief cycle, and you didn't describe it as the grief cycle, but you had described the grief cycle, um, you know, perfectly. And 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 for those listeners who are not aware of what the grief grief cycle is, is we generally begin with denial, right? And then the next stage is anger, and then after anger, we start to um, we start to uh, get sad, you know, and that whole sadness can put us into a loop where we ultimately we can become depressed. And then after we after we finish that stage, we get into the bargaining stage where we start to bargain with God or, or, or the universe and make all kinds of promises. And then we get to this point of acceptance, <laughs> right? And, and acceptance is a beautiful thing because it allows us to then create something new, right? The, the newness doesn't happen until we get through that cycle, right? And your cycle was a pretty long cycle. It took many, many years for you to get through that cycle. But when you finally got to the stage of acceptance, then you could start to build and do so many of the things that you're doing doing um, now. So talk to us about this acceptance uh, piece, because um, I, I don't want our listeners to think that you're just accepting that you're going to be sick forever and accepting that you're not going to get any better and accepting that you haven't made any gains. Right. But it's it's the acceptance of where you are and then taking the steps where you respond with ability, right? Responsibility really means responding with ability and how you can now take these steps to create the new person, right? And you, you and Emma have so beautifully captured the essence of the new Nina, where she is, you know, where she has a very clean house and a very efficient lifestyle and somebody who is aware of her energy needs. And she's really careful about her diet and she's really careful about what promises she makes to other people. And I mean, you you really have a beautiful, beautiful essence and um, and you really understand what's important. I just love to hear that, right? Um, so talk to us about how that acceptance, wasn't just accepting that it's bad and you're never gonna get better, but it's accepting your reality and how that's allowed you to become a more pure version of yourself. And you now have more pure relationships with the people in your life. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the grief cycle um, or the stages of, of grief. And we all know that's not linear. So I would bounce around, right, constantly between denial, bargaining, depression, being angry, and then acceptance and blah, blah, blah. Um, and yes, I didn't just accept, right? I know I feel like acceptance is like a loaded word. Um, like, 
I don't accept the way society is, but I can accept myself in the puzzle of it. Right. And so when I start to accept, like, there's no possibility, the possibilities are extremely diminished if I'm operating from a place of denial or if I'm operating from a place of like sadness, but when I'm operating from a place of acceptance, I feel like there's a little bit more freedom in that um, and more possibility. And I feel like I can more aggressively honor my truest self by setting boundaries, by creating a lifestyle for myself that I know works for me based on feedback I've gotten, you know, from my own life. And I mean, it's really funny because like, so whenever I make a new friend now, like one of the first things I tell them, whereas like, I wouldn't have done this before, but this was like something I learned over the year, you know, over the years with Lyme disease. But now what I do is I just send them a text message because I want them to have it in writing. I don't want to have to worry about how I'm going to say it or if they're really listening to me or whatever. But like, (laughs) I have a text message that I'll send a new friend or an old friend that like we, you know, hasn't gotten the update yet, but I'll send them a long text message being like, hey, blah, blah, blah. I love being your friend. You're really awesome. I hope to hang out when it's possible, but I need you to know that like, I'm pretty unavailable. I'm pretty unavailable. I'm pretty sick. (laughs) A lot of the times, even if I'm not, I feel like I don't, even if I'm having a good day, I need to be able to just bask in the fact that I'm having a good day and, and give that day to myself. But I'm, I'm not the person who's going to quickly respond to your text message. I'm not the person who's going to like call you back. Like I'm not that person. And as, as long as there's consent, you know, within that, then it's okay. Like, I don't want anyone to, and I love all my friends, but like my capacity is so limited. And when I'm having a good day or a bad day, I need to, it doesn't matter what kind of day I'm having. I need to focus on myself for my health. and not only my physical health, but my mental health. And it's all wrapped up together. But I love that I do that now. Like I just send a text message and I'm like, Hey, this is me. I'm not like available. I'm not like, I'm not going to hang out. I'm going to probably, you're probably going to invite me to hang out a bunch. I'm going to say no, nothing to do with you. Like you're amazing. This is just like where I'm at. And that's the acceptance piece a little bit. Just knowing where my boundaries are. Let me share another observation that I made that I think has just been so beautiful about this conversation. Uh, and um, and I really thank Emma for doing such a great job with exploring this with you. And that is what what vibe I kept I kept um, I kept um, feeling uh, was that you became free, right? And um, we, we here at Think Boot Camp are actually starting a new podcast called the Lime Freedom Formula. And the way we were defining freedom, and I think you really capture the essence of freedom, quite frankly, Nina, um, is, is the way Viktor Frankl defined freedom in his book, Man's Search for Meaning. Uh, and, and for those of our listeners who haven't read that book, uh, it's, a, it, it's a book written by a man who was a concentration camp victim in World War II, and that he was able to define why he was able to go through such, such a horrific experience because he discovered what freedom was. And he said, freedom is that space between an event and how you respond to an event. And that's where our freedom is. 
Freedom isn't the right to do whatever you want to do or do whatever. It, 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 is, it is that space between an event and how we respond to it. And even the Nazis couldn't take that away from him. And once you understand where your freedom is, then the world opens up to you. Then you understand your essence. You understand where you are making choices. And what I thought was so beautiful about the conversation you were having is you said, I don't have to have a lot of stuff despite living in a capitalist society. In fact, I reject that. You said, I don't have to be controlled by social media. In fact, it was stressing me out and I acknowledge it was stressing me out. And although young people my age are all spending a lot of time on social media, I'm free not to do that. You said, you said, uh, and you really articulated this really beautifully. Um, I am a social person. Uh, I understand as a social being that I'm going to have interactions with other people, but I'm free to let them know what my limitations are. And I tell them that in writing. So that there is not any misunderstanding and people aren't calling me any names or, you know, some of the things that might happen. Right. So so the so what you know, what you have both beautifully done together is to find how your your acceptance was not accepting that you will be sick forever. Your acceptance is accepting who you are and what freedom is and living your essence in a very free space. So give me your reaction to that, Nina. Did I did I did I hear all that right? Yes. Yeah. And yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Having control over the essence of freedom in my life. Over yeah. everything, right? I mean, literally over everything. You are, you are free from capitalist restraints. You are free from having too many possessions, which by the way, when you have too many, they end up possessing you. Um, you are, you are free from social constraints. You're free from social media. You are just living the life you want to lead, right? Well, yeah. I mean, definitely not free. I mean, like, yeah, I make poor decisions, right? But those are separate from my, like, I have moments. I have moments where I'm, like, shining. But then I have moments where I'm, like, on social media for way too long, right? Um, and then now I have a dog who I love very, very much. And, of course... Most of the stuff in the house is hers now. She is, <laughs> you know, um, but it's for her and it's for her health and it's things she loves. So it's, it's just funny, but it's all, it's all relative. And um, well, I don't know if it's, yeah, it, it's, I don't know if it's all relative, but I do think taking control and accepting who I am as a person has been the most liberating thing I could have done for myself. Um, and just yeah, knowing what works for me and and and, and inviting that into my life is so nice. <laughs> like I think I said earlier, like I I don't love to sit down and like read a full novel, and I don't need to feel guilty about that. But what I can do is just like do something else that brings me pleasure and joy. <laughs> right, and and you're in touch with your feelings, which is sort of the last piece that I wanted to observe. Right, and it's one of the things that I'm really can beautifully explored with you, which is you you understand that nothing's either good or bad. Um, you're just going on the experience and you're learning through this journey and um, and you're learning how to read your, your body signals so that you are in a position where you're making good choices that are serving you rather than undermining you, regardless of who's encouraging you to take whatever step you wanna take, right? So, so emotions are powerful things, not to get you caught up in a loop, and, and you had some challenges where you were dealing with some, some depression and some of those kinds of things. Yeah. But once you finally got again to this place where you were, you were in a place of acceptance, 
you understood what your emotions were. You understood what all these experiences were. You showed yourself grace on many occasions, even when you're spending a little too much time on social media, which by the way, we're happy with that because we would have never found you if you weren't yeah. there. Thank you for being <laughs> on social media. Um, and uh, I, by the way, you're talking to a guy who never had any social media until we started <laughs> to take boot camp um, because I just thought it was a horrible tool. And I now see the beauty of it, right? I mean, the three of us would have never met, but, yeah. for, but for social media, right? So exactly. it can be a, a, a tool for good for people who are free and looking to connect with other um, people who, um, you know, who are of the same spirit, right? So why don't you talk to us a little bit about that piece of, uh, of, of this experience that you've had and how, how being in touch with your, your emotions and understanding that they are tools for you and not something to sort of keep you down, that, um, that your emotions became um, a very powerful part of your essence. Yes. So I think, excuse me. Yes. I think what you made a really great point of like, um, um, about what you, what you said about, um, it's neither bad nor good. Right. And I think when I, when I get trapped in the feeling of like, oh, this is so bad, Oh my gosh, this is like the, and, and it feels that way. Right. But like the more, I don't want to say that the more attention I give that, the more pain I feel, because that's not true. The pain's there, but the more joy I can add to the bucket. Right. And the, and if I can step away from like, just constantly vocalizing how bad I feel, I think that the container expands a little bit. So like I'm able to, yeah, just invite more like joy into my life. And I can really say that that's been true over the years. It's like my, my, if I'm having a really bad line day or if I'm having a really bad line flare up for a month, sometimes like it'll, it can be really bad, but if I'm focusing on how bad it is, then I'm going to be really anxious, really depressed, really triggered, really traumatized from the whole thing. But if I can just really like invite the, you know, the things that make me feel good and the fun and the joy and focus on some like positive things, it really does change my mental state in a very significant way. And I think ultimately that's affecting my nervous system, which is then shortening the life cycle of the flare up and having all these other amazing ripple effect benefits. So let me, let me talk with you one last piece um, of the conversation. And then I'm just going to talk to you about your transformation, how you're now serving um, the folks in the Lyme community, right? But one of the things that I'm going to ask you about was diagnostic testing. And, and you knew you had Lyme disease from the bite. You knew that you had these symptoms all along. You finally needed to take a Lyme disease test to be validated. And thank God you did test positive so that you were able to get that validation and have that, uh, the emotional stability that comes along with that. And unfortunately, <laughs> no, that's very rare, especially with doctors who should be making clinical diagnoses, but are afraid to do that or aren't well-trained enough to do that. But thankfully you didn't have that part of your journey. But now that you've at this stage of acceptance, this really beautiful place that you're at, I'd like to argue to you that you're in a place where you can make even greater gains with, with, with your recovery journey. And the reason I believe you, you are in a position to do that is not only because you're less likely to be triggered and therefore frozen and unable to move, because what happens when we get triggered is we get paralyzed, 
But even more importantly, you now have your, you're now in touch with your onboard diagnostic system. And when you're going through the trial and error process of trying new treatment protocols, if and when you get to a plateau with the current uh, practitioner that you're working with, because you're so in touch with your body, both your physical and your emotional signals, you'll be able to better read whether or not something is helping you or not helping you, and you'll be in a better position to pivot from one trial to the next when you're going through that process. So talk to me about how that is a really beautiful piece of your acceptance and how your onboard diagnostic system, which is much better than any blood test, urine test, or any other kind of test, um, will, will put you in a position where acceptance is not only freedom, but it's empowering. Yes, acceptance is empowering in that because it allows me to advocate for myself. Um, like before I really had, so there was a time I went to a doctor and he told me that he was like skeptical of Lyme in so many words. He was like, I'm skeptical. And, um, and I remember thinking like, wow, a long time ago, this would have really affected me. Like this would have really like messed up my day. I would have been like really pissed off because he doesn't know what I've been through. Like he has no idea. But in that moment, I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to use you for some lab work and then just like take the results and then do what I want with that and go to someone who sees me for me and sees what I'm going through and can validate that. Um, and so I feel like I'm, I'm better able to navigate help, you know, by, by, by having that model for myself. Yeah. Awesome. So would you like, do you see yourself if this doctor has you on a herb that suddenly you're in the throes of like a huge flare, Herxheimer, whatever it is, it's too much for your body. You, you would be in the place now to have a meeting with him and ask to change things, advocate for a different smaller dose or whatever it is. Yeah. Well, with the Chinese medicine doctor I'm seeing now, I do feel like, I mean, he, he's also just like really amazing. So it feels like the care that I'm getting from him is extremely collaborative, um, and supportive. So, and he like fully accepts Lyme disease as a thing. Whereas like I've met doctors and who are just not really on board and I'm like confused. I'm like, where are you at? They're like, we don't know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but I feel like with my, the Chinese medicine doctor I'm seeing now, um, yeah, I feel like I could totally, I feel like in any space at this point, I can advocate for myself in the way that I need to without feeling like stupid, <laughs> oh. you know, or crazy. Yeah. Like, I feel confident in what I have to say and I know what's working for my body yeah. and I know what's not working for my body. Okay. That's awesome. That is so huge. Again, after just being through all of this, just feeling comfortable to collaborate with the doctor and being authentic, you know, just not like, yeah, I'll try this just because he said I should like, you know what I yeah. mean? So yeah. That's huge. Um, and that's a strength that you developed these muscles. They, they did come stronger every day. Exactly. So, 
Um, are you doing anything to serve the Lyme community now? <sighs> Am I doing anything to serve? So I have a lot of open-ended, <laughs> a lot of ongoing, you know, messages, text messages and Instagram messages. You know, I've posted about having Lyme disease. So a lot of people have come to me being like, oh, you have Lyme too. Or I'll see someone else post. And then I like reach out to them like, oh, you have Lyme. And then like, even in Florida, like you have less Lyme patients, but there's a couple people in Gainesville that I've met up with just to talk about Lyme, yeah. um, which has been kind of nice. Cause yeah. And then we're like, oh, what have you tried? You know? And then you share what you've tried and what it comes down to a lot of it is stress. A lot of people are like, yes, it's the stress. The stress is like, and that's so validating. And people are like, yeah, just like do what you need to do to like get rid of the excess stress. But, and so I'm always like pushing that on people. Like people are like, so what have you done? I'm like, not like stress is, you know, mitigating stress is going to like heal your time. That's not what I'm saying at all. Um, that would be really obnoxious um, for me to say, you know, I don't know who knows, but I, I don't know what someone's going through. And for some rando just to be like, dude, if you just don't get rid stress, of stress, you'll be all right. You know? So I'm like, not going to say that to anybody because I don't know where they are. And it's like a hard thing. Like if I heard someone tell me that in the throes of like a really bad flare up, I think I would have been like really upset Yeah, <laughs> where, you know, like, and so, um, and I, I don't think it'll heal the line, but I think it'll like make living with Lyme, um, that much more livable, um, tolerable. Um, so yeah, that's something I'm always talking about with people. And then I also, I, I do like tidy consulting for people. And most of my clientele, um, are people with disabilities and, you know, um, and so I really like to work with people on making their home more accessible. I don't want people to be minimalist. I don't want them to be anything other than who they want to be. But when people start coming to me and saying, ah, I'm so stressed out and I'm, I have, you know, physical limitations or whatever. And I'm like drowning and stuff. I'm like, well, how can we make your home more accessible? And so I've worked with a lot of patients on that. And I love not patients, clients, speaking of patients as if I was, I was a patient at the doctor, but no, I worked with a lot of clients on making their home more accessible. And to me, that's such a valuable gift. And I really, I really want, if people want that for themselves and I want it for them. Um, so yeah, I don't know. No, that's so big. Just that it's taking something that you learned right there in your big Lyme journey. Oh my God, this is too much for me. I cannot, your home needs to be your sanctuary, no matter what you have, but something like Lyme, some type of illness, disability, you need to feel safe at home. And if there's an overwhelm, a mess, that's that's just amazing that you were able to take that lesson and convert it into a tool to help others. So that is an absolute way to give back right there to any community, but also the Lyme community. And interesting enough, before I got, before I found that tick and before I got Lyme, I was, I was managing livestock at a farm in the country in Western Mass, Massachusetts. And there was a neighbor who had Lyme disease. This was before I knew about Lyme. This was before I had Lyme. And she was really, really, really sick. Like it was so 
it was so sad. It was like, I, yeah. And so I, I saw her and I was like attracted to her because she was like beautiful. And she was like, you know, she had such a cool vibe and so like, or whatever. So um, I said, hi, and we became really good friends. And I, she told me all about her, her line. And that was my first knowledge of it. And so I would go over after my long work day and go over and like clean her dishes. And I'd do her laundry and I put stuff away and I would org I started organizing all of the stuff around her bed. And that was sort of my first like awareness of like accessibility stuff within the home. And so I would like organize her stuff and she had a hard time sleeping. So I would, I would sleep in her bed with her and I usually like snore, but like, I never snored with her. So I would just like, I was like her sleeping companions. So I would just like come over and like, clean her house and then just sleep in her bed with her. And she would just like wake up feeling like super restful, which is really unlike me. Like I've always slept like a, like a tornado. Like I'm just like (laughs) moving around, I'm snoring, I'm like flipping around, blah, blah, you know, but with her, I always like was super steady and reliable and yeah. And then that, I wonder if in some like spiritual way that prepared me for getting Lyme. Yeah. Yeah. Might've planted a seed somewhere. Wow. Did you ever um, reach out to her when you were suspicious of having Lyme? Did I? Man, the mental fog is really real. I I don't know. (laughs) Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, brain brain fog is real, right? And oh, yeah. uh, even, especially for old people like me, brain fog <laughs> is a regular part of my everyday existence. So, so uh, th- this has really been a beautiful conversation. The two of you have done such a brilliant job together. And um, and Emma, um, I'm going to let you ask the last question. You will you you are certainly um, um, able to use the tick boot camp question or any other question you'd like to ask as we as we wind down this podcast. All right, I'm gonna. I hope I'm asking the right one. I, it's Lyme brain today, guys. It just is. It is what it is. Okay. <laughs> what advice? And you could stop me if this is the wrong question or if I'm stealing your question. Um, what stealing advice? It. We share it. I think we can't. We share. We're an open source platform. We want everybody to share. So never Perfect. feel that way with us. <laughs> awesome. Well, then feel free to add. Um, what advice would you give someone that you loved? if they were just bit by a tick? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird because I expressed hesitation with antibiotics, antibiotics, but, you know, I have heard that you can, if you catch it within the 72 hour window, you can, you can stop it. Um, and then after that 72 hour window, it becomes real risky. Um, so with the knowledge base that I have right now, which could be very amateur, you know, I don't know. I would probably say get the antibiotic, right? Get the antibiotic and I guess get the co-infection test um, and blood work. Um, I don't know how long you have to wait after getting bit for the results to show up. I think it can really fluctuate. Um, but if you get a false negative, I mean, if you get a negative test result, then 
get the blood work done again, you know, in six months or in another year. Like if you really feel like you have Lyme, just get the tests done. Even if the doctors are like, oh no, you don't have it. And you feel like you have it just like, cause I have a friend who got negative test results and was just told she was crazy for like years, like many, many, many years. And she was like, no, I know I have it. And then finally got a positive result. Um, but that's because she was persistent in getting the blood work done. So Nina, one of the things that I want to offer to you and to all of our listeners is uh, is the take my blueprint we have on our um, on our website at Take Bootcamp. Uh, what we've done, Nina, is over the course of now many years of doing these interviews, but even before we started these interviews, when I was on my journey not to get sick, um, we had interviewed many people, and we and we allowed this crowd to ultimately source a step by step guide for folks who get bitten by ticks. So I want to strongly urge our listeners, and I certainly want to strongly encourage you, Nina, that if anybody in your family is ever bitten by a tick. There is a free step-by-step guide on the Tick Bootcamp uh, website called the Tick Bite Blueprint. Amazing. Woohoo. So important. Watch out, Lime. Mm-hmm. That's right. We yeah. have Nina, Emma, and Rich all together <laughs> focusing on you, Lime, and we're going to take you out. So mm-hmm. uh, Emma, I can't thank you enough for being uh, a, a wonderful co-host. And No, and thank you. Nina, I can't thank you enough for being such a beautiful spirit and being so kind and vulnerable. Um, and sharing uh, so much with our listeners and allowing me at the end to just just um, just tie up some of the beautiful things that the two of you talked about and some of the beautiful um, uh, information you shared. This is a really beautiful podcast and I can't thank the two of you enough for joining us here at Tick Bootcamp. Y'all are amazing. Thank you. Yes. Thank you seriously for the work you do and Nina, your vulnerability and your story.